I thought um, many people actually coming to Penang to try Asam Laksa. And it's a very um, good product to, to grow with, especially when I found the, the, the Laksa in Penang is actually quite uh, different from those serving in my hometown. Brought to you by Good Foodie Media, I'm Kessel Lim and you're listening to the Foodie Canteen Podcast. Today on the show, Christine Ui from Penang, founder of Luxalicious in the island. She's here to share how this all began and probably some of her Luxa secrets as well. Listen in. Hey, Christine, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tessel. Nice to meet you here. Thank you so much for making your time to come on the podcast here today. Um, I cannot wait to talk more about Luxalicious. But first, um, share with us your childhood. Where did you grow up in and how was it like? I was um, born in Taiping, Para, and was grown up in a small town named um, Paragunda which is um, at the border of Penang and Kedah State. And tell us about the environment. Like, did you um, do a lot of cycling? Because I know in smaller towns, like, there's our, our thought is like, there's a lot of paddy fields and like fishing village. Uh, were you brought up in the environment as well? Yeah. Actually, um, Paragunta is not far from Tanjong Gendang, which has a paddy field and also the fishing village. So um, we visit um, those places like during weekend when my father is free. And during normal time, um, we are just cycling around um, enjoying some very local food like the ice cream, um, the, the homemade ice cream, um, laksa everywhere. And I think Penang is like a food haven in Malaysia. Like there's just so many choices and we see Penang listed in like CNN, like must visit places and um, we are very, very proud of our food. Um, for our listeners who's listening to podcasts, what would you suggest them um, if they ever visit uh, Penang, they must try this um, street food or some of your favourites? Okay, the number one must try food must be um, Penang Asam Laksa. Actually, it's very famous in Penang. Then the Cha Kway Teow and Nyonya food maybe. Also, the white curry meat is very famous. And oyster omelette. And all this, you can easily get it from um, the local store. There are a few um, local stores that I would like to um, share here. Um, for example, your OO White Coffee. It's very local um, cafe and it's actually very popular among the tourists as well because they they serve really good um, coffee and they also serve really good um, nasi lama, um, karini and also the their oyster omelette that's popular. The chocolate tail there, it's actually a hidden gem for the local. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean the local in white coffee? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Wait, is it the one uh, across um, kind of First Avenue? 
kind of menstruate. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Because it used to be all white coffee, but then they moved to a botanical garden. So now the logo is still they there. They have another but then... branch, actually. They have another branch in, right, in right. Waterfall. Yeah. Yes, yes. The waterfall. Yeah. So you, uh, you think that the Chakori Dao is like a hidden gem? Yeah. Yeah, because all we know is like uh, Siam Road and the Goggle Guy. Actually, the Siam Road and Goggle Guys, uh, of course, they are, they are like, uh, Chakra Dale is good as well. But um, for the local, actually, we have some um, new and um, good Chakra Dale that's hidden still, I mean, still hidden for, for the tourists. So we are still going there uh, at this moment, yeah. This reminds me when I was younger um, because I was, I'm from Kedah, but then I came to Penang for school and then work later. Um, and then our parents would drive us to um, Penang because it's such a short distance from Sungai Patani. And then when we come, we would just eat like cha kway teow, the oyster omelette, um, like Hokkien mee, um, and all this street food. And I think for tourists who are visiting Penang, may they be coming from internationally or like KL or Ipoh, I think the first stop is like, let's go to a hawker. And Penang, it's very rich in its hawker culture. Can you perhaps share with us a little bit about the hawker culture in Penang? What are some of your vivid memories or what do you love about it? Okay, um, growing up in a small town, actually, we don't have much restaurant or fast food in, in my hometown. So uh, I'm I'm grown up with lots of hawker's food like popiang, um, cha bihun, um, fish uh, bihun, uh, curry mee, prawn noodle, and others. So when I was um, living in my hometown, actually, I'm still used to eating hawker's food. And when I'm in Penang, actually, yeah, it's um, a lot more choices in, in Penang. So it's like a daily eats for me. It's either um, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or supper. So it's like every now and then. And it's very common for everyone in Penang to have a, to have at least a, a meal with hawker foods, I guess. And for tourists, of course, they are... They are very um, keen to try Penang hawker's food because it's very famous, yeah. So what did you do uh, prior to starting Luxalicious? I was helping my father for the for his frozen seafood business. And at the same time, um, actually the later years, I, I started up a, a cafe named uh, Mustache House with a partner. And since then, um, I was in, in F&B uh, business. Yeah. And yeah, remembering, uh, I think, Mustache House, when you guys first started, I was still studying in Penang. And I would go because we know that uh, we can take pictures on Instagram of like the Mustache Coffee and all. Um, how was running that for you? Like, this, is there any business lessons you, you learned from there that you are applying in your second venture at Luxalicious? Actually, um, for Mustache House, is something new and uh, interesting for me because um, it's a totally different experience from what I had in, in my father's business. And it was the beginning of coffee hopping um, um, time. The era. For, 
Yeah, right yeah, now it's like everything, everywhere is popping. We have so many cafes in Penang yeah. and people will come all the way just to crowd them with good coffee. Yeah. But um, branding, I also learned about branding, um, sustainability for a business and also customer service. I've met uh, many people um, in, in Mustache House and I've learned a lot from different um, people um, based on experience and different um, 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 their, their experience and also their, their sharing about business. So um, basically I I'm really I really enjoy um, doing cafe business. Because you can always um, um, create something new and to attract your, your crowds, new crowds. But it's also very hard to sustain when you serve only uh, coffee and, and uh, I mean, drinks and, and... Pastries, desserts. Pastries, yeah. So I've learned that in order to sustain, we must actually introduce some food on our menu and it must be something very interesting and photogenic, yeah. So, um, my question is, when did you know that it was time to let Mustache House go and start on a new journey? Um, when there was... Um, the, the business actually dropped after a few years where there are many, many new cafes open, opening and there are new places where people want to check in to snap photo for Instagram. So it's very hard to keep my customer coming back, except those really coming for our coffee and pastry. So I thought um, it really, it's about time to, to close and stop this business and start running something different. And I was hoping to do something related to and how long was the break between uh, closing Mustache House and starting Luxalicious? Did you take a break to reflect, to rest after like, you know, grinding for a few years with the cafe? Actually, no. I started um, Luxalicious, um, I think, a few months before we actually um, sold it, uh, yeah, sold it to, to a, a new owner. And I was busy with my new business. So I actually um, let my partner handle it more during that time. And my helpers, my, my staffs were really helpful during that time. So I actually um, put more efforts in, in Luxalicious. Yeah. So how did the idea to start Luxalicious come about? Actually, Penang is... Um, a food haven, a, a hawker food haven. And I have seen um, many visitors and tourists actually coming to Penang. Actually, they want to try local food instead of those restaurant food. So I thought um, we need to pick some something very local if I want to start a business. So I actually kind of like um, laksa because of uh, I was eating this since I was young. Um, laksa, it's my favorite food. So I thought um, many people actually coming to Penang to try Assam Laksa. And it's a very um, good product 
to to grow with. Especially when I found the 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 laksa in Penang is actually quite uh, different from those serving in my hometown. So I've decided to give a try because our laksa is served with a prawn pepper. It's not like uh, those in, in Penang is serving with um, uh, spring roll or, or the fish ball. So I thought it's something unique and there, there must be um, foodie that, that's interested in trying something new. Yeah. And like you said, laksa is a popular Penang street food. How did you decide to take it into a restaurant setting? Actually, it's uh, from my personal experience. I'm a mother of two boys. And whenever I want to enjoy my laksa, actually, I I have to take it home and enjoy it when my, my kids are sleeping. And I usually turn the... I mean... I usually eat it in the air conditioning uh, room where I really don't um, enjoy sitting at a cafe, a local cafe, which is hot and, and very, very, very uncomfortable for my boys. So um, it's actually based on my personal experience and I think the tourists would like to try something, um, I mean, local in, in a different setting as well. There are many people, um, many tourists, they are willing to pay for that uh, environment instead of sitting by the roadside. I think there's like two types of people. Some like, um, there's this very famous uh, laksa place in Penang. You just go and then you can smell like the the drainage system but people just eat inside the drainage system and like just devour the laksa and I think um, there are people who are okay with that but also the second group of people which yeah. you are targeting AC smell nice and yeah. um, your True. kids can be safe in that kind of environment and and whenever I pass by like Hutton Lane I see Laksalicious logo and I want to say like the branding really stood out to me before even I tried it because I think um, when I think about laksa I re- I resonate it with like a very familiar face, um, women that is of older age and like she has been uh, knowing this, cooking this recipe for like the past 30 years and I would enjoy the taste. So what is the creative process behind your branding? Actually, um, I'm trying to relate it to um, Georgetown. Because Laksalicious is located at Georgetown um, Penang, which is also a um, UNESCO World Heritage Site. So people visiting Penang, they are always uh, looking for the new world painting. So I thought um, it's good to bring some um, drawings to my to my uh, my logo, my shop deco. So um, I sit down with my um, artist friend and he actually came up with the idea of um, using myself as a logo um, design so um, that's how it comes about yeah and what is the business model around Luxalicious do you cook the Luxa yourself actually we don't cook our own Luxa we source from home cook home um, housewife 
where they cook really good laksa and they, they have their secret recipe behind from their, their moms and grand, grandma, you know. So um, I thought that's easier and also um, more authentic to bring those food to, to my restaurant. So we are serving some um, food from, from those um, housewives and um, experienced cooker, yeah. Experienced chef, yeah. And how did you meet these um, people? Actually, it's when I was eating their food, I feel um, it's something dif- uh, different from, from Penang. And I thought it's something unique for, for my customers, I mean, for, for everyone to try. So I thought it's good to bring something home cooked to restaurant where everyone is looking for. Some people, they might not have um, parents that are cooking at home or they might not have a um, chance to try authentic food because at outside, it's hardly, I mean, because of it's commercial, it's for commercial. Uh, so it's very hard to get the authentic taste most of the time. So I thought um, we should have something from home and serving the local and tourists. Yeah. And this home cooks, they are based in Penang or they are based in somewhere else? Both, actually. Yeah. For um, Asam Laksa, actually, um, it's from my hometown. Yeah, it's very famous and... They were cooking this since um, maybe 40 years ago, since 40 years ago. So they have very good experience in handling the ingredients, the, the taste, and they use very fresh fish from the fishing village nearby. So it's um, a very different um, food where we can um, share with, uh, with our customers. So I, I actually uh, start sourcing more and more um, products where, my, I mean, where the tourists are actually looking for to uh, introduce it in Laksalicious, actually, yeah. And when you say hometown, you're talking about Para. So you're sourcing this um, Laksa from Para. What are some of like, the logistic concerns of like moving these fresh products um, almost daily from another state to Penang? Actually, we use cold truck to deliver all our um, laksa and some of the main ingredients like um, the prawn cracker. So um, it's actually quite a challenge during the beginning. My father and mother was helping me. But um, later on, we actually um, try to source for more uh, logistic um, um, provider where final, finally we managed to get the cold truck to deliver the soup, uh, the crackers to us, yeah. Can you perhaps share with us the different types of laksa in Malaysia and um, talk more about what kind of laksa you guys focus on at Laksalicious? Actually, Laksalicious is focused uh, focusing on um, Asam Laksa and Nyonya Lama Laksa. Uh, only two for this mo- at this moment. But there are, of course, um, um, more choices in, in Malaysia, like uh, Sarawak Laksa, 
Johor Laksa, Laksum, um, Laksum Kelantan, and, and etc. Yeah. My friends in, in Sabah now, she, uh, he, he had just sent me a photo of uh, Sabah Laksa, which I've never heard of. Yeah. So it's something very new for me to, to try as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up with um, Asam Laksa. I tried Laksalicious uh, Nyonya Lemak Laksa and it was quite new to me because it's so lemak and feels very like coconut-ish but I, I really liked it and I'm sure you are a laksa lover yourself. What do you think is um, something that's very important when it comes to your bowl of laksa as a consumer? For me, a perfect bowl of laksa must have at least um, three main ingredients. That's the tosh ginger, mint and also the lettuce pineapple and cucumber um, or onions are not my favorite so um it's okay to eat my bowl of laksa without it but i request i always uh request for a thicker um broth which is uh consists of fish so um i've always wanted to have a very good bowl of laksa with fish broth with um, the, the, the condiments, yeah. Let's talk a bit about uh, the business. Um, MCO, we, it was ongoing for like two years. How did you cope and navigate the restaurant during that pandemic? Okay, um, we introduced our MCO baby, um, which is a ready-to-eat frozen asam laksa, frozen lemak laksa, and... The mixed laksa as well, together with some um, spring roll, the frozen spring roll, um, frozen loba. All these are actually um, for, for our um, customers from other states. But later on, actually, um, the local customer actually uh, stock up for, for, for their, their fridge as well. For, for their freezer as well because they thought it's very convenient to, to have a bowl of laksa at any time they want. Yeah, so it's with the uh, frozen or, or the ready-to-eat laksa, actually it helps to, to um, yeah, sustain this business during pandemic. How, how is the business now? Um, we have built some local crowd uh, during pandemic. We also have um, um, new customers from, from um, abroad because they are requesting for, for um, frozen laksa, like from Singapore. We are uh, sending some, um, I mean, we just started to send um, frozen laksa to Singapore. And it's through the cold truck. Yeah. So um, it's something... I would say picking up and, and we are waiting for the tourists to come back actually. The, the international custom, uh, international tourists to, to come back. Yeah. It's been it's been seven years now since you guys started, am I right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. only have one outlet now. Have have you ever thought of expanding? No, actually we are happy with just one for now because I'm also a mother of two boys. I would like to spend more time with my boys, yeah, and family, yeah. So what are the future plans for Luxalicious? Um, we are trying um, the ready-to-eat or, or the frozen um, products. And we are also hoping to t- 
turn um, this business into a fast food concept because it's manpower is always a, a challenge for us in, in F&B. Yeah. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your story. Uh, hearing your story, I think you just want to make one good, make it good and be contented in this and just share um, the goodness of Asam Laksa. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Castle. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. This show is produced by me, your host, Castle Lim, and co-written by Sulin Chang. Foodie Canteen Podcast is made possible by the amazing team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and YouTube at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. See you next week.